is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 193, recorded on Monday, December the 8th, 2014. We are creeping up on the 200, aren't we? Boy, 193. We're going to get there. We will get there in the second half of season five. Nice. I'm very excited. Um, the last time, when we pro- when we hit number 100, I the, um, the Walking Dead wasn't on. It was like over the summer or something like that, wasn't it? So we were able to do a special live call-in, our first live call-in show ever. That, uh, that, yeah, instead that was of, cool. This time, though, we're going to be in the middle of the season, so we're just going to have to go with the regular episode uh, that's, you know, part of the regular schedule. What, what, what I'll do is I'll pretend to call in. Everything I say, I'll pretend to say. Uh, I'll start with uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. It's <laughs> a good idea. Yeah, first, so that way we get the feeling of a live call-in show. Just mix it up a little. You can say first time, long time. You yeah, can say, and then every once in a while I'll say, uh, hi, you're on the air, just just to switch you know characters every now and again. Sure. Like you're calling in. That won't be confusing at all. <laughs> <laughs> fun. Sounds fun, though. But we should uh, we should put together another live call-in show soon. Yeah, th- uh, those are always fun. We've done two or three now, right? And they are a lot of fun. So maybe uh, maybe after season five we'll do one and... Get some live reaction to to the full season. Cool. All right. Uh, before we get into all the holy crap and feedback, that's what we're here to do today since we got so much of it. I want to remind everyone that I will be going to Walker Stalker Con in New York slash New Jersey on Friday. Mm. This coming weekend I will be there. So it's the convention is Saturday and Sunday. I'll be showing up Friday night and leaving Monday night. So I do have some time to hang around New York on Monday. Um, And if you are going to Walker Stalker Con, I was just talking to Jason from the uh, Walking Dead cast. He, of course, is involved heavily with everything Walker Stalker Con is and does. We are going to do a podcast listener meetup on Saturday around 6 p.m. So if you're there, you should come out and say hi and have a drink with us and uh, just generally hang out and be merry. Uh, we don't know exactly where it's going to be yet. That is the only problem. I find that every time we try to organize one of these, it's difficult to nail down the location, especially when we're going to a new city. For well, uh, you could do like uh, you could do what Prince does: uh, just announce concerts or hint at concerts, and then not show up. Well, we're not going to do that. We will definitely show up somewhere, or just you know, just make it a secret location, and uh, people will have to find you naturally, and then tweet it out to all their friends uh, so that other people will show up. That would be cool. I mean, if we had, if there was like serious pent up demand for these sorts of things, maybe. <laughs> I'm not right. so sure that's the case. What we're going to do though is probably just do it at the hotel bar uh, for Walker Stalker Con. But Jason is going to get there, not you, Jason, Jason from Walking Dead Cast. He's going to get there a little ahead of time, get the lay of the land, pick the location, and then tweet it out. I will do the same thing. I'll tweet it, I'll Facebook it. But it'll be roughly 6 o'clock on Saturday. So if you're there or you're in the area and you want to come say hi, by all means, do that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. It's too bad you can't make it. It is. But one of these days, we got to go to a Walker Stalker together again. Yeah. That was that was super fun last time. And I've already committed to Atlanta next fall, so I think you should do the same. 
Uh, when is that, October? It'll be October sometime. Yeah, that's going to be tough. But you did it once. You can do it again. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. <laughs> you got almost... I, whole... I cannot commit to it now, and uh, that's that's that's... That's it. Well, I have the spouse okay, the vacation time okay. Everything is falling into place for me. So yeah, I've got zero of that. Right. You got to get on that, man. You got like ten or eleven months to do that. So that's right. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Walker Stalker Con this week in New Jersey, which is just across the river from Manhattan. I mean, not all of New Jersey, but this this convention is. And uh, be there and say hi. Six p.m. Saturday, hotel bar. We'll let you know the final location very very soon. Okay, one more thing I want to bring up before we get into the feedback is um, another podcast that I want to talk about just for a second. Okay. And that is Aisha Tyler's show called um, Girl on Guy. Mm-hmm. She recently had a guest on, who you may know from The Walking Dead. His name is Scott M. Gimple. Oh, yeah. The showrunner and executive producer. And I started listening to it today, and it's pretty good. I like all her episodes. They're all quite good. Yeah. So I just thought I'd lay it out here. If anyone was interested and you don't listen to that show, it's pretty good. Aisha Tyler is, you know, comedian, writer, um, actress. Actor. Yeah. yeah, does all kinds of stuff. She she was on Friends, of course. Host of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Currently, that's right. She does all kinds of stuff. She's a very funny person, and she has a very good podcast where she does long, in-depth interviews with people one a week. She's had other people from The Walking Dead on. This time, Scott Gimple is on. So I just thought I would uh, drop that here and just let everyone know in case you want to go check it out. I'm glad you brought that up because I I listened to Girl on Guy quite uh, faithfully for a long time. But then I had some kind of weird podcast shuffle where I... uh, uh, I don't know how it happened, but me and my wife seems to seem to share a podcast uh, subscription on our two phones. That's weird. So when I delete a bunch, she gets mad at me because I deleted all her podcasts. And then there was a time where she deleted the bunch, and uh, I didn't know, and so all my podcasts went away. And so now I'm slowly getting back into them. And I was on the fence about Girl on Guy. I'm like, well, I haven't really listened in a long time, uh, but I should pick that up again. But now that you mention it, uh, that's the... Uh, that's the plan now is for me to go back and resubscribe and go back and listen to some episodes that I uh, that I've definitely missed over the last six eight months maybe. Oh geez, well you got to get back into it. Yeah, she has all she's had all kinds of good guests on. They're not always uh, TV people. Sometimes they're comedians. Sometimes they're writers. Sometimes they're actors. There are all sorts of people that she's, she's... had football players. Yeah, which I actually found I'm not a big football guy, but then uh, she talked to this uh, one kicker whose whole job was to kick the football from one end of the field to the other. Right. I'm not sure exactly what his, uh, how that would fit into the actual sport, but uh, uh, he was fascinating. Because uh, it's, it's very specialized jobs. Like, well, what do you do? Well, I kick the football, and uh, I don't really do anything else. <laughs> yeah. Special teams, maybe, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, sure. I mean, sports teams have specialized players sometimes, and I guess in football, that's kicker is one of them. So... Um, yeah, I'm not a football guy either, even though I was at a big football game last week, but um, it, 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 it could be really interesting. She makes it interesting, which is the thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Anyways, go check out Girl on Guy um, to hear Scott Gimple, and I'm sure you'll you'll fall in love with it and stick stick with it. Now, the other thing that that got me thinking about is if you dig her show or you like her, she has a segment. And you're, and you're from the 60s, and that's when you dig things. I dig it. 
Oh, people still. Or the 70s. Sorry, pe- 70s. People still dig things. Come on. That's I don't a know. valid term. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> if you dig what she does, if you can feel the jive of what she's got going on, yeah. um, she does a segment on there called Self-Inflicted Wounds, yeah. where she tells stories about, you know, just things that you've done to your to herself and then her guests tell stories you know the sort of stuff that you have happens to you in your life that's embarrassing pa- painful or moments that you're that that's your own damn fault exactly well yeah. she's put out a book called self-inflicted wounds oh, heartwarming tales of epic humiliation Perfect. <laughs> which is an amazing title and it is available on audible so for the first time in a long time i want to throw in an audible recommendation here and it is that and I think you should go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead to get it for free if you want. If you are not an Audible subscriber, they've got 150,000 titles across all different kinds of genres. So there's definitely something you can find there. But if you've never used them before, visit audibletrial.com slash talkingdead to pick up Aisha Tyler's book, Self-Inflicted Wounds. I am going to start listening to it this week. But if it's anything like her podcast, I know I'm going to love it. And she reads and, it herself. It, she reads it herself. That's what I was just going to say. Is that uh, that's that's fantastic? I'm I'm adding it to my cart right now. There you go. She tells stories from her own life in her own voice, and that is, I think, probably one of the best ways to do it. So, audibletrial.com/slash/talkingdead. Pick that up and let us know what you think because I'm be very curious, and I'm sure you will love it. All right, complete purchase. Look at that. Jason, look at you. You are on the ball. Do what he did, everybody. I just bought it. Perfect. Very good. All right. Um, With all that out of the way, I think it's time to move on into our feedback. And we're going to start with some holy craps. Cool. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. So I, I had a mission while I was choosing the feedback for this show, Jason. Okay. And that What's your was, mission statement? Well, I don't have a statement, but I do have a, a mission. I have a purpose. I have a goal. And the goal was to try to make this Positive Monday. Positive Monday. For okay, the, so, so we're going to take the nitpick minute and just throw it out the window. Well, since we don't have a new episode to talk about, we've probably nitpicked and picked apart this thing enough. And I think it's time to have a positive day. And since it's Monday... We're going to try to have positive Monday here. Now, not every one of these uh, calls and emails is 100% positive, but I did have a little bias towards the positive because we've been down on on the show in these episodes in this season a fair bit lately, and I don't want it to be like that's all we ever do. So we're going to be positive as much as we can today on positive Monday. All right, so uh, positive Monday. First of all, I really hate the idea, and let me tell you why. I'm kidding. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, good. You got to be positive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I uh, I will try. And you know, maybe today. we can have other theme days. You never know as the hiatus goes on. We could have Look Back Wednesday or, um, you know, yeah. Funny I Hat really, I, Friday. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Funny Hats. That's a good idea <laughs> yeah, for a, a, an audio-only podcast. Well, you know, I'm if, wearing a funny microphone hat right now, not microphone, an earphone hat right now. That's right. But I'm just saying we could do other wacky things if if you want, but we're going to start with Positive right. Monday. I really hate 90210 Thursday. Oh, that works perfectly for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every Thursday is I hate 90210 Thursday. Everyone. I uh, just hate it for 1 hour. 
just a rage against it for that entire hour every Thursday. <laughs> That's a whole podcast right there. Yeah. Jason raging and stabbing people <laughs> in the shoulder with scissors. Just mentally fuming. Yeah, that's right. Smoke coming out of your ears. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this awesome episode, and I'm so excited about it. All right. So the first holy crap comes is a call comes from Daniel in Australia. Hi guys, this is um, Daniel from Australia, and I just wanted to say my holy crap. Did you see that moment? Was how the bloody hell could Sasha be that damn stupid? to fall for that police's, police officer's little plan. I mean, honestly, I could see that coming from a mile away as soon as he wanted to go and see a window, quote-unquote, with her. I could just smell that he wanted to hurt her or damage her or something just so he could get away. And Sasha should be smart enough, and she's proven that she's smart enough and diligent enough to watch out for that kind of thing and how she just let that slide is absolutely beyond me. I thought she was better than that. Anyway, that kind of pissed me off a little. But apart from that, I like the episode. Great podcast, guys. Keep it up. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Daniel. So you see what I did there, Jason? He he started off a little negative, but he finished positive. That's good. That's good. Really like the episode. Uh, yeah. But I got to admit, I sort of felt the same way. Like, Sasha, yeah. I, I, I never believed really that she would let him get the best uh, of her like that. But when you factor in her, in her emotional state from losing Bob, I think, I think it's within the realm of possibility. Right. All right, next we have another call, uh, this one from Ellen somewhere on the Internet. Holy crap, did you see that? Did you see how close Gabriel got to Bob's leg on the barbecue? I wouldn't have got within 10 feet of that. It was disgusting. There you go. <laughs> I think disgusting is positive. Really? For this show? <laughs> okay. That was disgusting. It was. There were, there were maggots they didn't on even, it. They didn't even eat the whole leg. Like, if you're going to take go to the trouble of cutting off somebody's leg, well, uh, sure, you're a little worried about the infection and stuff, but if you're going to go to the trouble of cutting off somebody's leg in order to have something to eat, and you put it on a barbecue, and you barbecue that sucker up, and even if you, if you have barbecue sauce or not... You finished the leg. I mean, this is the apocalypse we're talking about here. This is not some, you know, barbecue where you have way too many spare ribs and you just kind of go, oh, I can't have any more spare ribs, just throw them away. You don't do that, right? This is this is a serious event. And uh, if you're going to barbecue a leg, you eat that leg. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And do you think maggots would form on the leg that quickly? I mean, it's cooked meat. It's only been there for like a day. Uh, I don't know that it's been a day, but, uh... Well, it hasn't been that long. Well, you know, we know that things rot pretty quickly, and I've seen maggots form on, uh, on meat after only a couple of days, so, yeah, maybe. Uh, you could be true, right about that. I've, uh, we have a, uh, a composting program here in Toronto where you separate right. your organic waste and the city picks it up, and I've had maggots form in the, uh, compost... <laughs> pretty quickly yeah. before i think so yeah i've got some pretty gross maggot stories that are disgusting and not positive so uh we'll just we'll skip just right on. over those yeah yeah oh yeah nasty all nasty. right uh tyson in australia he wrote my holy crap did you see that was when the zombies started busting out of the church just before the fire truck came there was a zombie with a smiley face carved into his forehead <laughs> was there really well i went back and looked and <laughs> there was one of them who had like kind of two dots and a curved line that really did look like a smiley face. 
I don't think it was intentional, but I can totally see where Tyson is coming from. That's awesome. It's really pretty funny. If you go back and take a look at that scene, uh, like he says, just before the fire truck shows up, you get a sh close-up shot of the door that they're trying to push through, and there's smiley face zombie. <laughs> nice. It was good. All right. All right, next we have an email from Wendy on the internet. Holy crap, did you see the zombie fingers sticking out of the church doors? They have shown this several times throughout the entirety of the show, and I always f find it very creepy and gross. The thought of someone pulling the doors closed and all those zombie f fingers getting cut off simultaneously always makes me shudder. <laughs> Big you. door slam and fingers just fall to the ground. Yeah, be watch your fingers, people. Watch them. want to get them caught in, caught in a door. No, but you know, zombies might not mind. No, they don't care. They don't seem to care. No. Uh, all right, next is Jess in Toronto hometown Jess and she says my holy crap did you see that moment was in the cold open when Rick was barreling full speed towards Lampson there's a glimpse of a picture of Lampson and his family on the dash of the police car Rick's driving seeing that immediately followed by Rick running him down really helped paint a picture of Rick as a villain nice yeah I like that too it was there but it was a fast shot and I did not pick up when I watched it who was in that picture but uh, Jess has more Eagle is more eagle-eyed than I, and yeah. uh, it was it was Lampson and it, presumably his son. It looked like a kid, so right. Well, I assume Jess just watches the show uh, once and then watches the show again and then goes frame by frame to see what's interesting. Yeah, frame by frame in you know slow motion and gets every little bit. Yeah, and to make sure that you uh, you catch everything and don't get uh, you know complacent by the story, you should watch it frame by frame in reverse. Right, it only makes sense. Because that's how you check your work for spelling. Like, if you're worried about spelling mistakes, read it backwards. Start at the last word and read it forward because then you don't get, uh, you don't gloss over things. Right. You actually look at each word. That's right. All right. Uh, on a similar topic, we have Michelle in Montebello, California. My holy crap moment was when, uh, was Rick's Olympic race slash dash, dash followed by the car ramming. <laughs> Who knew he could run so fast in cowboy boots? The music and back and forth screenshots were edited. edited Perfectly. It was. It was a good cold open. I've never tried to run in cowboy boots. Do you own cowboy boots? I did when I was younger. I don't know what happened to them, though. They're were long they red? Gone. No, they were black. Oh. Again, cowboy boots were a thing for a while when I was younger, like yo-yos were, which we talked about a few podcasts ago. By the way, somebody wrote in, and uh, sorry, I don't know your, have your name in front of me, but uh, to, to let us know that yo-yos were all over North America. There was a time when every kid in high school was obsessed with yo-yoing. The power of yo. That's right, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying, it wasn't just here where, we, where we're from. So Go, go Google, uh, I, I encourage every listener to go and Google the Smothers Brothers. The, one of the Smothers Brothers is a yo-yo master, and it is quite the sight to behold. It's really good. That's funny, I haven't thought about those guys in forever, but I my dad them. was a huge Smothers Brothers fan when I was growing up, and he used to show me their uh, comedy routines. Oh, they're great. Good Mom stuff. likes you best. <laughs> That's great stuff. <laughs> really good. Uh, is it me now? Yeah. Justine on the internet writes, Holy crap, did you see Father Gabriel outside the church and begging to come in just like his parishioners? My first impulse was that Carl Michonne should be like him and not open the door. Yeah, but they're not like him because they're, they're nicer than... Uh... Father Gabriel, because Father Gabriel was an ass in that regard. Yeah, he was not very nice to his people, but it was he was acting out of fear, right? I think is what we're supposed to take away from it. He didn't know what to do, and he was he was afraid, and he just wanted all the food to himself. 
Well, that's two different things. So kind of an ass. That, that's greed <laughs> and or fear. <laughs> All right. One I think of, he was afraid. One or the other. And just happened to have a lot of canned goods. Yep. Which was just a coincidence. Uh, all right. So we have Colin in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. I, I don't know state abbreviations. Uh, holy crap. Did you see Beth risk lo- the lives of everyone in the hallway to serve her own agenda of revenge, only to be killed by her own stunt, essentially committing suicide and ending her stint on the show much as she began it? Look at that. She came into the show wanting to kill herself and she went out accidentally killing herself. <laughs> Good times. Clayton from Battle Creek, Michigan. My holy crap is the title of the finale. It was Coda. In musical terms, Coda describes a passage that brings a piece or movement to an end. In this case, it could be seen as an end to the first half of the season. Beth is slash was the musician of the group and also in real life. So Coda could also be a sly reference to this episode being the one where she dies and comes to an end. And she didn't even sing. No, she didn't sing, but her her musical life came to an Mm -hmm. end in this episode. You know, that was one of the reasons that I thought Beth was going to die this episode. I didn't come up with that myself, but I read somewhere that, hey, coda means, you know, it was a musical term and it means the end of of a piece. And, well, if someone's going to die, that seems appropriate Mm -hmm. to be Beth. Wow, good. Next, we have uh, an email from Rebecca in Lancashire, UK. The episode overall was amazing. Unfortunately for us UK fans, both Norman Reedus and Chad Coleman put out a status saying, at Rip Beth. So it was ruined for a lot of us. But when she was shot in the head, it was still so unexpected. My holy crap moment was when Daryl's bottom lip starts to quiver a little as he be- as he's beginning to cry. Great acting, Norman. Really made the scene. Yep, he really did. And that's uh, R.I.P. Beth. Hashtag R.I.P. Beth. <laughs> What did I say? Rip Beth? You said at Rip Beth. So you... <laughs> uh, sorry, I meant R.I.P. Beth. Okay. Rip Killer. Yeah. At Killer. Killer now. <laughs> All right. Finally, Emily in Minneapolis. I'm doing a rewatch of the series to keep me preoccupied during the hiatus. I noticed something in the first episode of season two when Rick is talking to Morgan on the walkie. I'm fairly certain that after he is done and walks away, the camera stays on Grady Memorial Hospital for a long time. I could definitely be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the hospital. So, as I am known to do, I went back to the tape and I checked the episode. And Emily is almost absolutely right. Almost. And I say almost because um, during that scene, he, Rick is indeed talking to into the walkie-talkie, talking to Morgan. Doesn't know if Morgan can hear him, but he's on the top of a building And in the background, in the middle of his speech, not at the end, there is a shot of a building that says Grady Memorial Hospital on it. Wow. So it is definitely in the scene. Um, I don't think it's at the end. When he's done and he walks away, the camera's looking the other way. So there are other buildings, but it's not Grady. But the point is, Grady's in the scene. So, Hmm. I mean, really good eye, Emily. I think this is a bit of a coincidence. Um. Or if not a coincidence, I I mean, I don't think it was planned back then, but I do think maybe when they were writing this season, they went back to the, you know, previous season were like, all right, we need a building. Well, look, Grady's been in the show already. Let's use that. Right. And when you think about it, that's pretty cool. I mean, think about how close our characters were to that location and how long and how how much of a winding path it took them to get back there. 
Yeah, it's really it's really kind of coincidental. I'm not sure that the the, the producers of the show did that on purpose. Well, I don't mean they did it on purpose in season two, but I don't think it might not have been an accident in season five that they chose Grady Memorial. Well, I do think it was an accident. Well, I think you'd... it was a, it was a, it was just, it's just happenstance. It's a, it's a fanciful coincidence. You don't think any of the writers realized when they were writing that, that Grady Memorial had already been shown on the show? No. I think so. I don't were think any they... of the writers, any of the producers working on the show in season two? Working, I don't know. It doesn't matter if they were working on it back then. They they probably all watched it. And if, if nothing else, they've watched it since they started working on the show. I just don't think that's a that's an accident. I, I mean, do. no. Come on. How could they? I mean, they pick the one hospital that's been on the show out of the probably hundreds of hospitals in Atlanta. Are there hundreds of hospitals in Atlanta? There's probably, I don't know. Why, why wouldn't there be? Well, I don't know. Is there hundreds of hospitals in Toronto? I bet you there's at least a hundred. There's five or six million people living here. A hundred hospitals. Of course there's there probably, are. There's like 15, maybe. Well, it's still a lot. I just don't think it's an accident that, you know, three years later, they, they need a locate they need a hospital location and they pick the same one. Okay. It could be a coincidence. It could be an accident, but I think probably somebody said, you know, in the writer's room, Hey, you know, we used that hospital in season two, or the writers at the time did. Let's use that one again. That'll be a fun callback. There's 10 in Atlanta. I count 10. 10. That's it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. But when you factor in, like, smaller health clinics and things like that, I mean, I know Grady's a big hospital, but anyways, doesn't yeah. matter. I think it's cool, and I think Emily is eagle-eyed for pointing that out. Oh, yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think it's a great coincidence. And the other thing I want to say, you jerk, <laughs> is that that cold open, the first episode of season two, was amazing. I just went back and watched it before we started recording, and it is so well done. Having Rick do this voiceover, talking to a character who you don't know if he can hear him or not, and it's intercut with some shots of them packing up after the CDC explosion and hitting the road and just the words that Rick is saying. It's really, really well done. It might be, now that I've gone back to see it, it might be my favorite cold open of the show. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The way it sort of kicks off the new season, it puts everyone on a new on a new course and it addresses the past a little bit where he's still trying to communicate with Morgan. It's just really, really well done. And... uh you know, I was I was absolutely impressed going back to watch it now. So I recommend everyone goes back and does a rewatch of the cold open of season two, but <laughs> probably more too. Yeah, I'm going to go back and check that out. I would. It's really well done. All right. Thanks, everyone, for those holy craps. Let's get now into the feedback. Listener feedback. Okay. So first we have a call from Danny in Los Angeles. Yeah. Danny's got slightly... Poor sound quality, but I wanted to play this anyways, so uh, sorry about the quality. Here we go, Danny. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Danny from L.A. I have a quick question for both of you guys. When Beth died, did you guys cry? Did you shed a tear? Or did you even get a lump in your throat? Um, I know I did, so so I just want to ask you guys. Uh, I want to see uh, how human you guys are. <laughs> Because us Americans are pretty human. I don't know about you Canadians. I'm just kidding. Anyways, yeah, that's pretty much the question. Uh, that's it, Danny from LA. 
All right, thanks, Danny. So go ahead, Jason. Did you cry or get upset when Beth died? I did not cry, nor did I get upset. And I'll tell you why. You monster. Uh, you monster. I have, uh, either for good or for ill, I have some kind of weird, it's not even weird, I just, I don't, I don't get emotionally invested in television or movies. Never have. Uh, I actually envy my wife. Uh, she gets emotionally invested, and when characters she likes uh, dies, she gets upset. It doesn't bother me, so I don't get super excited about things. I don't get uh, I don't get scared at uh, scary movies. I uh, I enjoy watching them with friends because everybody else gets scared, and it's just a a fun time. But uh, scary movies don't scare me. Uh, sad movies don't make me cry. Uh, exciting movies. Uh, don't get me super excited, and I there was a whole period there where if it, if there was any kind of violence in a tele or a television show or movie, I would fall asleep, like it it put me to sleep for some reason. So when you were a kid, when you were younger, and you'd go to see a movie, you never had that experience where you walk out of the movie and you kind of feel like you're in the world of the movie, even though the movie's done and you're outside now. No. See, well, maybe. I mean, uh, I remember uh, a couple of Christmases ago, my Uncle Brian telling my wife that uh, they, he took me to see Bambi, and I cried when Bambi's mom died. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So but you, I don't remember it. No, you were probably pretty young then. But I, I'm just saying, when I was younger, and all, even to this day, occasionally, not as much anymore, though, but I'll come out of a movie, and I'll feel like I'm sort of in the world of the movie for you know, a few minutes as I'm, as I'm leaving the theater because I was so invested in what I was watching at the time. The only times that movies uh, have made me uh, emotional uh, or television, and it has happened, but uh, I can directly attribute it to what was going on in my life at that given time. So it wasn't necessarily the movie. It was I was upset about something else, and the movie brought it out in me. So right. it wasn't necessarily emotionally invested in the movie. It was you know something going on in my life that was upsetting at the time. Sure. And nobody in your life right now is getting shot through the head or anything like that. Thank Not you. currently, yeah. Good. Well, I don't know. That's, that's too bad. I really, really enjoy that feeling coming out of a movie. And it doesn't really happen with TV because you're at home and you know TV just ends and you're, you're done. Um, but, uh, as for Beth, I didn't cry either. Um, but I was a little bit sad for her, uh, in the moment. Once I thought about it too much, I started to, you know, nitpick it to death. Um, and that's when it ended. But in the moment I was a little bit sad. I was a little bit, oh no, Beth is gone. That's, that's upsetting. But I did not actually shed a tear. So we will see. You're um, a monster. Yeah. Monster. Horrible. <laughs> I don't know what I am, monster. but you're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Danny. Uh, the next one comes from John in Chicago. Another call. Chris, hey, Jason. This is John from Chicago. Um, I was calling in because I was just listening to your show on CODA, and I was thinking about what you guys were saying. You were kind of joking that they, um, you know, they killed, uh, you know, they just killed the third guy because it wouldn't have been a fair trade. If you're trading two people for two people, then it's fair. So they just killed the third guy because then it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have been fair to do you know, three for two. And I was thinking about it, and that actually made me feel even worse about Beth's death, because if they had had three cops to trade, then the uh, person in charge, I'm totally blanking out on her name, Dawn, um, then maybe she wouldn't have demanded back Noah. And then that whole altercation wouldn't have taken place, and then 
Beth wouldn't have died. Now, obviously, I know it's a TV show. They're going to kill Beth. It would have happened anyway. But I'm just thinking in the world of the characters, um, I don't know if Rick is going to end up feeling guilty about that. But because the third, I mean, the way they do everything where it's transactional, where you, you know, when you take something, then you are expected to repay it. Um, you know, if Rick had had that third cop, then, um, you know, that third cop could have been the one that took Noah's place, and there wouldn't have been that problem with Dawn that caused that confrontation uh, that ultimately resulted in Beth's death. So uh, just I was just thinking of that just as I was listening to the show and just wanted to chime in with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thanks, John. You know, the, okay, so, so it's Rick's fault. Well, sure, everything's Rick's fault. The only problem I have with John's theory there is that I don't think Don would see Lamson and Noah as the same trade value. I mean, she might even consider Lamson worth more than Noah. But what I mean is she said, you know, Beth was my ward. You're taking her away, and I need somebody else. I need someone else to, like, follow me around and do my cleaning and stuff like that. Yeah, he's the Iron Man. He's the Iron Man. So she brings Noah back in because he's a good replacement for Beth. Um I don't know though if uh, if it would have worked the same with Lamson. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked the same with Lamson. Would, would would she give up somebody else, like one of her people for Lamson? Then, well, that's that's the thing. Well, she she was she wanted to, you know, they wanted to keep Noah, and so they would have needed to give somebody else to Lamson. I don't think she would have been like, you know, she, I think Dawn would have said, "I want Noah and Lamson. I need both of them back." So. Yeah, it still would have been a lopsided deal, but uh, yeah, hey, if he was there, at least it would have been three for three, and they might have been able to work something out. But alas, Rick killed him prematurely. Hmm. All right, next we have a call from Michael in Calgary on Maggie's reaction to Beth's death. Hey, Talking Dead podcast, this is Michael from Calgary. So everyone's complaining a fair bit about how Maggie reacted to Beth's death, and of course, Coda. Now, I want to say something to this in the fact that not everybody deals with emotions the same way. And I know from experience that when something bad is happening, sometimes that disconnect, that not acknowledging what's going on and putting your mind to something else really is the answer. It's how your brain works on things. It's how it just holds on to reality and keeps you from going insane. All sorts of craziness could have been happening to Beth. And Maggie was already dealing with a lot of stuff. She's dealt with a lot of death in the last little while. If she shuts down emotionally because Beth is gone, it's because that's the only way she knows how to deal. And the emotional destruction, the outburst that she had at the end there, when she saw Beth dead, that is precisely how people would react because that emotion that they've been bottling up for so long of trying to ignore what's going on and trying to deal with it, that's how I would expect someone to break down. That's why she doesn't talk about Beth. That's why it hasn't come up. This is just her dealing mechanism. Anyway, enjoying the show. Take care, guys. Thanks, Michael. Um, I'm going to go right into our next call from Gretchen in Philadelphia, and then we'll address these. Okay. 
Hi, this is Gretchen calling from Philadelphia. I just wanted to make a couple comments about Maggie. Um, the first thing that I wanted to mention was during episode three, um, season four, where they're at the prison and everybody's starting to get the flu and Glenn gets sick and Maggie goes to talk to Beth while um, she's in the other building. Um, Maggie and Beth have a conversation and Beth says, uh, we don't get to be upset. We all have jobs to do. That's what daddy always says. Focus on what we need to do. No matter what happens, we will deal with it. We have to. So I'm just wondering if that is um, the reason for Maggie's behavior after uh, they leave the prison and she doesn't know what happened to Beth. And then she finds out what happens to Beth in the train car when Daryl talks about it in the beginning of the other episode. So a couple of, um, couple of, thoughts and theories on, on, you know, Maggie's behavior and, and her not reacting to her sister's disappearance. And I think they're both really, really well thought out. Um, you know, Michael's saying on one hand that that's really the only reaction she can take because she yeah. really just doesn't know. And that's her coping mechanism. That's her way of dealing with it, which makes a lot of sense to me. And then Gretchen just referring back to, you know, other episodes where, Maggie and Beth have had these conversations about just having a job to do. You know, you don't get to feel bad. You don't have time to feel bad. We're trying to survive. So, you know, put those emotions away and move forward kind of thing. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would, uh, all that uh, makes perfect sense. I just, I needed somebody to tell me that or to show me that in, in the show. That that was my only complaint was that I think that they missed the opportunity to tell me that she's shutting down. She can't deal with it. I, I agree with you, certainly on Michael's point about the coping mechanism. I mean, maybe maybe we should be able to deduce that for ourselves. But but I think Jen's point about, about having a job to do, I mean, that was all in, in the show, right? I mean, sure, it was last season or it was sprinkled in over a, a number of episodes. So you don't necessarily put it all together in one. But I think what Gretchen is saying kind of is all there anyways. Could they could they have reinforced it maybe in season five? Sure, maybe a little bit. But, uh, you know, I feel I feel a little bit better, a little bit more positive about the whole Maggie and Beth situation um, after reading these emails or these calls, listening to these calls than I did before. So yeah. thank you, Michael and Gretchen. Yeah, and also on this topic, uh, Amanda in Sweden wrote in on the uh, on the Beth and Maggie situation. First of all, it was completely heartbreaking how it ended, but I think I have an explanation as to why Maggie hasn't been more concerned about Beth. Here's my theory. It all starts in season four when Beth's boyfriend dies. Uh, Zach, I believe his name was. Is that right? Yep, that was the guy right in the first um, episode when they go to raid the big stop or big spot. Right. Uh, she shows a complete lack of emotions and says something along the lines of, you don't get to feel anymore. We all have a job to do. Uh, in the very last scene Beth and Maggie have together after Herschel has been killed, Beth unravels. So Maggie turns, uh, turns off and says, we don't get to feel, line to her. Uh, I think this is uh, this mentally followed Maggie into the second half of season four and into season five. She had a job to do. When Michonne told her that they found Beth and she was okay, Maggie unraveled and she started to feel again. Right. So it's kind of uh, an extension of what Gretchen was saying. Yeah. You know, these two characters, they've come to an understanding amongst themselves that this is how they deal with stuff, right? Stuff, yeah. shit's bad. And we don't have time to worry about it, so let's not. And it, it kind of does 
by extension, I think, show us or tell us, you know, the reasons for Maggie's lack of, or apparent lack of concern. So I'm feeling slightly better about it. I told you yeah. it was positive Monday. It is, and I feel I feel good about her uh, complete disregard for her sister. <laughs> good. I'm glad we've won you over. <laughs> All right. Uh, Simone on the internet writes, I finally understand why people like Rick Grimes. It's been hard for me to connect with him until this point. I'm not much of a good guy fan. I kind of like my lead characters to be teetering on the edge of insanity, which, after seeing Rick run Lamson down and then execute him, I'm fairly certain he is. <laughs> Rick hmm. is no longer sane, and I couldn't be more happy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, the thing the thing I like about this is if you like insane characters or characters who teeter on the edge of insanity, I think Rick is a pretty good choice for you. He has been in crazy town and back at least a few times over the course yep. of five seasons. <laughs> he lives yeah, he keeps uh he keeps circling crazy town more than these people keep circling Atlanta. That's <laughs> look at you. That's a good quote. All right, next we have an email from Christina in New York City. Uh, during the apprehension of Officer Bob, uh, Rick is Dirty Harry. In homage to the Do I Feel Lucky? Well, do you, punk? Seen in the 1971 first Dirty Harry movie, Rick uses his 44 Magnum in a scene with a similar camera, camera angles, vocal tone, and brutality. Rick's demeanor is uh, turning more hairy as the season moves forward. The tough, gritty guy that is ready to kill for justice or his version of justice. Right, good. Can I make a uh, confession right here, right now? You love Dirty Harry? Never seen a Dirty Harry movie. Oh, you got to go back and watch Dirty Harry. I, I really think I yeah. should. Um, my father... You ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Good, man, I like that. I got to go watch some of those. Of course, I know that, that line, and I think I've probably seen that scene, um, but I've never seen the entire film, so... You know, my father-in-law is coming to visit for the holidays. He's getting here this week, and I'm pretty sure he would be into that sort of thing, uh, Clint Eastwood and so on. Um, so maybe I'll propose the idea that we watch Dirty Harry one night. Well, I think you should uh, stay up and uh, sing songs like It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Clint Eastwood Christmas <laughs> and uh, just watch Clint Eastwood movies all Christmas long. That would be good. I We could probably do that every night between now and Christmas and not get through even half of them. So, Yeah, just pick the good ones. Sure. You can even you can skip the spaghetti westerns if you really want to. I mean, I don't recommend it. Hang them high, and uh, there's, some, there's some good ones. Was he in, what's that, Gonna Paint Your Wagon or something like that? <laughs> gonna Paint Your Wagon? That, does that sound like a tough Clint Eastwood cowboy movie? It is a... Western, something about painting your wagon. I can't think of it. Fistful of dollars, hang them high. I know that. Uh, every which way but loose. That's not a spaghetti western. That's <laughs> the one with the with the ape. Uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? I, I don't know. 1969, Paint Your Wagon, starring <laughs> Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood. Uh, Lee Marvin, of course. <laughs> okay. Two unlikely prospector partners <clears throat> share the same wife in a California gold rush mining town. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The good, the bad, the ugly. That was it. There you go. That's good. Uh, uh, there's a there's a Clint Eastwood movie on Netflix right now called uh, Space Cowboys. Uh huh. Do not watch that movie. It is a piece of crap. They go to Mars or something. Sorry, right? no. They they're, they're a bunch of old Air Force guys uh, that go up into space. They go up in the space shuttle for some ungodly reason. Is it got? It has Bruce Willis too. 
No, no Bruce Willis. It has. Uh, oh, you're gonna make me name all these actors. All right, it has. Uh, I can picture them all. Well, Kiefer, not Kiefer Sutherland, his dad, Donald, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland, Tommy Donald Lee Jones, Sutherland, Tommy Lee Jones. That's it. James and, Garner, uh, James Garner, James that's Cromwell, right. and James Cromwell. Oh, William. But he Devane. doesn't go into space. Oh, okay. William Devane. He's he's good. Um, and Marsha Gay Harden. Yep. It's got a it's got a great cast, but it is a piece of garbage. Just crap. Jay Leno is in the movie. Is he really? Yeah, he plays Jay Leno. Oh, he plays himself. <laughs> oh, right. They go on the Tonight Show, right, with right. Jay Leno. Okay. Uh, anyways, that's exciting. Um, Clint Eastwood <laughs> Film Festival at my house this holiday season. Oh man, I want to come to your house. Sure, come over anytime. I'll be there in a minute. We'll make schnitzel. Uh, oh, I'm in. Oh. Good night. Pick a night. <laughs> I'll talk to the wife. We can we can arrange our social lives off the air though. How about that? That'd be fun. <laughs> I like your dad or your your father in law schnitzel. He makes a good one. Um, okay, Katie in the UK writes, "Hey guys, that mid season finale probably ranks at my number at number two on my favorite mid season finale list. The first being season two's. The pacing of it was pretty good. We had action, suspense, and then tragedy. Even though I predicted Beth was going to die, that didn't make it any less shocking for me." I thought she was going to get rescued and finally become a strong, full-fledged member of the group, but it wasn't meant to be. Well done, Emily Kinney. She has come under quite a bit of hate these last two seasons, but I think uh, she was great and will be missed. The only question remaining now is who is going to take over her role as the singer of the group? Any suggestions? <laughs> well, that's Norman Reedus. I don't see him singing. Oh, come on. He's, he's got a, probably got some kind of twang or drawl to him that would be fantastic. Maybe. That reminds me of something. When I was talking about the cold open from season two, another thing I noticed about that was, boy, how uh, like clean and well put together everybody still looked. No, oh, really? Nobody really had giant beards. The hair was all shorter still. Norman Reedus was, his hair wasn't constantly in his face. And um, yeah, everyone just looked much more put together and, and well-groomed. And then, and wow. Shane was there, and Andrea was there, and Dale was there, and I just got all nostalgic for season two. Ah, yeah. Anyway, so who's going to be the singer of the group? Oh, the singer, um, Carl. I think Carl it, could do it. Yeah, Carl could probably do it. A little it. falsetto, maybe. It could be. <laughs> he could do some Queen songs. I'd like to hear Carl sing some Queen. That'd be nice. Yeah, it really would. <laughs> all right, moving on. So we have an email from Peter in Parama, Greece. Uh, I'm one of the few people that don't have any problem with the directorial botches in this episode, and botches is in quotes. Uh, when Don said, I knew you'd come back, Beth took a long time walking up to her and getting in her face before eventually stabbing her in, uh, stabbing her with the scissors. Uh, granted, the director took, took the time to show Beth hiding the scissors in her cast, so a couple of spliced cuts of Don drawing her weapon or even popping her holster safety open her holster safety open would have done it for me. But the time it took her to face off with Dawn was more than a lot to draw a gun. So the botch, in quotes, uh, for me is uh, not world-class quick-draw artists, as yours truly uh, stated, but not showing Dawn slowly getting her gun out during the face-off. Yeah, which I think Peter, who I think is probably our first emailer from Greece, congratulations, Peter, <laughs> what he's saying is that there's enough time there yeah. yeah, they could have shown a little bit more, but there's enough time, so get over it, you idiots. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I, I fully take. You know? Note taken. Note taken. Thank you, Peter. Emily in New Zealand writes, 
I'm just writing in with a parallel I noticed between the mid-season finale and the first episode of season five. These episodes both gave us scenes where Rick and Carol have the episode's bad guy on the ground in pain. Rick with Officer Lamson after he hit him with the car, and Carol with Mary in the creepy Terminus candle room. We've seen time and time again that both Rick and Carol are characters who would do absolutely anything for the survival of the group. They're possibly the two characters who have gone the furthest ensuring this safety. However, in the two scenes I mentioned, I thought it was interesting to see that Rick allowed Lamson a far nicer death by shooting him, whereas Carol let the walkers eat Mary's face off without even a second's hesitation. I'm not sure if these two scenes were meant to be parallel to one another, but I just thought it was interesting to see the difference between these two characters that have the same desires to protect the group. They're also the only two characters that have killed little girls. Boy, they're <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that. They might as well just... Uh... Well, Rick didn't kill a little girl. He killed a zombie little girl, whereas Carol actually killed a little girl. That is true. That is true. Um, but, you know, you're splitting hairs. Rick, yeah. Rick shot a zombie girl in the forehead. That's yep. uh, that's it. Um, yeah, so good good email. Thank you, Emily, in New Zealand for that. All right, next we have an email from Michael in London. There is no way whatsoever that Beth's death was as sad as Sophia's. Sophia's wasn't sad or upsetting. It was absolutely heartbreaking. To hear Melissa McBride crying in agony at seeing her child come out of that barn is so much worse than Beth's hole in the head. Don't get me wrong, Beth... Beth's death is sad and shocking, but nowhere near Sophia's barn exit. As a father, I still get a lump in my throat thinking of what happened uh, to a parent, fictional or not. I got to agree with Michael, and Sophia's barn exit is going to be the name of my next band. Um, or maybe the album, Sophia's barn exit. It's a good album that's, name. That's got a double entendre all over it. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> um yeah, no, I agree with him. I think Sophia, I think Sophia's death was far more emotional for me than than Beth. Absolutely. And with Sophia, I I predict that one too. Honestly, I don't remember if I predicted it on air or not. Um but I was talking with somebody and I was actually talking with someone who knew the details of the finale of that episode right. and I said, you know, is this what happens? And this person didn't confirm it for me at the time, but uh, they did, of course. It did happen that way after the fact. So um, anyways, even though I had an idea of what was coming with Beth, I wasn't so affected by it as I was with uh, Sophia. Oh, Sophia's death was uh, way worse. And it's a whole lot easier to say Sophia's death rather than Beth's death. <laughs> yeah, Beth's death. We got we to gotta move on from that one. Um, okay, Henry in Virginia writes, something that hasn't been mentioned yet was the timing of the fire truck brigade's arrival at the hospital. Shirley Michonne knew that the hospital was a hostile place, right? She'd know and share the fact that Noah had escaped, Beth was there against her will, and that Rick and the gang were going to have to use some plan of attack to get her out. However, they just roll right up to the front door of the hospital in a freaking fire truck. Had they arrived in the middle of some sort of stealthy attack, or a firefight, or even the goofy prisoner exchange... They would have really screwed up whatever was going on. That's true. They they didn't I'm, think to just park, you know, somewhere else and, and walk over or sneak over or get the lay of the land first. I don't know. Well, I guess in the zombie apocalypse, driving around in the fire truck is not the hiding in plain sight uh, kind of ploy that it could be today. 
right? Because we see fire trucks all over the place, right? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, in the zombie apocalypse, fire trucks have all, you know, gone the way of the dodo. But now there's a fire truck. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, they just pulled right up to the front. Hey, what's going on? I mean, luckily they were there at, a, you know, perfectly the right time when everyone was just coming out. Um, right. But yeah, I think Henry makes a much, good point. Much like Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon at the end of Star Wars. Spoiler alert. Man, oh man, that Star Wars trailer was good, eh? <laughs> yes. What I'm thinking of the original Star Wars, 1977 Star Wars. Yeah. Not yeah. So I, you know, I, I spoiled like the very ending. I'm sorry, guys. You're right. He he. You're right. He shows up right at the right time so that Luke can fire his photons right into the uh, Death Star air vent or uh, exhaust yeah. port. Excuse me. <laughs> right below the main port. That's correct. Right there, you go. Um. I do kind of want to talk about the Star Wars trailer, but maybe now is not the time. <laughs> no, after after we close, we can maybe add on something. All right, all right. Um, Emma, who, I'm next. You're next. Go for uh, it. Stephanie in Denver, Colorado. Wanted to share what I think Morgan laughed at while kneeling at the altar in Father Gabriel's church. He was laughing at the irony of the Bible scripture printed above the altar. I think it said something like, He who eats of my flesh and blood shall have eternal life. I can see the irony there. That that's some irony, yeah. And uh, you know, if anyone's going to laugh at that, it's going to be uh, Morgan. That guy has been. Oh, yeah. That guy has been through the ringer. I'll tell you. So he's he's laughy. He's he's a laughy guy. Thank you, Stephanie Jenkins in the Caribbean writes. Gabriel still wanting visual confirmation of Bob's roasted leg in order to believe that the termites deserve their fate is just plain dumb. Did he think Bob staged his half-missing leg in some elaborate plot to trick him? Wasn't there more confirmation when the termites showed up threatening with guns? Furthermore, he knows he can't kill a walker to save his life, but he still decides to go out alone. I don't have problems with this show writing characters with weaknesses, but plain dumb characters just kill it for me. Yeah. Not the most positive email, Jenkins. However, I agree with you. Um... I like his point that did he think Bob staged his half-missing leg in some <laughs> elaborate plot to trick him? <laughs> That's what I'd do. I'm going to go chop off my leg just to make you think that we're good people. Well, if I was going to stage my own, uh, you know, stage it in that way, I think I would chop off my own leg and then barbecue it, mm-hmm. right? Just to make sure. So maybe he, you know, that's not definitive proof. If he staged it, he could have barbecued his own leg. Maybe he was hungry. Well, I guess if you're desperate enough, chop your own leg off, cook it up, and then eat it. There was a Stephen King short story where a guy got uh, he got stranded on an island, and all he had he was it was smuggling heroin, and he got stranded on an island, and he broke his foot, and the only thing he could think of to do was to take a bunch of heroin and then chop off his own foot, and then eat it. Did he get rescued? Uh, I I think eventually, but he cut off more than the foot. Like he was kind of moving up his leg. Oh my god! Yeah, Steve, good old Stephen King. That's right. Oh, now excellent. So uh, we have an email from Stephen in Springfield, Massachusetts. Funny how that works. <laughs> this could be Stephen King, but I'm I'm not sure. I know for the sake of the storyline that Rick and the group have to keep moving. But does it strike you as illogical that a group with a baby and recently injured Carol would leave the safety and security of the hospital for the open road? Eugene lied about DC, so that mission's gone. Beth's death, 
is not so awful <laughs> that the, is not so awful that the reason should escape out the back that reason should escape out the back door. Uh, they all desire a safe safe existence. To have one, to have one and to turn it down just doesn't seem like a good choice. Well, I'll say it's a good thing we're almost at the end here. And second of all, that's a pretty good point. I mean, I guess they just couldn't bring it within themselves, or Rick anyways, just couldn't see it within himself to stay at a hospital after Beth had just been killed right in front of their eyes. And they don't know these people at all. I mean, they've heard bad things. They don't trust them. I I could just, I guess they just didn't feel that there was any way they could stay there, even though it would kind of make sense for the security and the supplies that they'd have there considering the baby and you know, injured people and stuff like that. Well, maybe they're going to wait for dark and then come back and kill everybody. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't put it beyond Rick. Yeah. Episode nine in February is going to, the cold open is them going to be sitting around a campfire, Rick laying out his plan to go back and kill everybody. No, no, the, the killing will have already have taken place. Like they're going to be sitting around a campfire with Noah, probably chewing on a ham bone or something saying, man, it's a good thing we went back and killed them all for you, right? <laughs> Noah's like, yeah, right on. I bet you feel better about that now. <laughs> um, yeah, there'll be a time jump or something, and we'll have missed the entire massacre scene. And Yeah, they'll just gloss over it. Yeah, of course. Uh, all right, uh, Brian in Texas writes, The group has not yet hit rock bottom. The deaths of Lori, Herschel, Beth, Bob, Sophia, T-Dog, Merle, and many others are rungs in the ladder to the bottom. The Morgan scenes are showing us a character on the way up from the bottom, and I think Morgan will reach the group just as Rick and the gang are at the point of utter and complete hopelessness. Bottom. So you think uh, uh, Morgan is going to be the voice of reason eventually? Morgan will be the guy, Brian is saying, and I may... I, I, I oh, think he's, he's going to be their Obi-Wan. Yeah, he's going to be the guy that shows up and pulls them back from the dark side. Just as something is about to happen that that would cement it forever, right? Right. You know, uh, Luke's whole family was killed, right? He's got no one left. And uh, so he turns to, uh, to Obi-Wan and for guidance, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the whole group is like Luke and, uh, you know, everybody's killed. It's all a big mess. And then Obi-Wan shows up and says, okay, you just got to chill. Just relax. Let's go see Yoda. Mm-hmm. And then they'll get uh, they'll get their Yoda going on, and then uh, then they'll both die, and but they'll be better for it. Spoiler alert! Sorry, <laughs> you're, you're just going to just going to retell Star Wars for everybody here <laughs> while we're on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I could probably recite most of the dialogue from Back to the Future while we're at it if you want. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but hey, it's a good theory. I mean, this group, I don't know, I. I feel like sometimes they've hit rock bottom. Some pretty bad stuff has happened to them, but I guess you can always get lower. And if we are moving towards a point, an ultimate low point in the lives of these people, Morgan could be the guy that brings them back, right? He's already experienced that when his son died. Right. So they're all going to sit, and once they hit bottom, hit rock bottom, they're all going to sit in a circle, and Rick's going to stand up and say, hi, my name is Rick, and I'm a psychopath. Maybe. Maybe. Hi, hi Rick. <laughs> Hi, Rick. Tell us why you're a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> well, I murder everyone I encounter. <laughs> it's been 12 days since I murdered someone. Uh, okay. So lastly, we have a call from, and I don't know why you put this, Chris, but a middle-aged guy in south-central Pennsylvania. Well, let's listen to the call and find out, shall we? All right. Sure. Hello. I want to thank you guys for doing your show. It's super awesome, and it makes my commute to work during the week so 
enjoyable. Anyway, with that said, um, I've just had this lingering question uh, inside of my mind, and I put it off for months and months and months, and for some reason this morning I've decided to call and pose the question uh, to both of you since you are uh, zombie apocalypse gurus. And my question is this. The number one danger other than human uh, in uh, Walking Dead is obviously the zombies. And we know that if you smear their nasty little guts and bits of meat all over your body, you can essentially have a uh, cloaking device where they don't really mess with you and you're free to walk amongst the dead. And my question is, why in the hell aren't they doing that all the time? You know, when Abraham and the group came up to that uh, big, gigantic, whatever, concentration camp-looking thing of walkers, and they're like, oh, we got to turn around, we can't go through there. Why did they not just be like, wait, let's go kill a zombie, cover ourselves in gut, and walk through there? I just, I don't get it. Am I missing it? Have you guys discussed this before on the show? Because I certainly could have missed it. Um, but I really, really, really would like... Um, someone such as uh, yourselves to uh, explain why in the hell they aren't just doing this all the time. So, anyway, uh, like I said before, love your show, super awesome, and know that in South Central Pennsylvania, there is a middle-aged guy who is very happy on the commute because of YouTube. So, I know you can sleep better knowing that. Later. All right, thanks, middle-aged guy in South Central Pennsylvania. He never said his name, but that's how he described himself. So, well, there you go. What I got to go with. Um, why aren't people constantly wearing the stench coat, Jason? It's super gross. That would be a good answer. It is super gross, and I don't think I'd want to smear zombie guts all over myself unless it was absolutely necessary. Yeah, and I, I think he's absolutely right in uh, uh, when the when the group. Greetus, greeter. What's the name of the group that with the fire truck? Greatum, Greatum. When they show up and they have that uh, that big herd of zombies, uh, yeah, just cover themselves in some zombie goop and off you go. Right? They could have got through there, no problem. I'm not so sure. There, there, there were the idea is I think that there were thousands of zombies down there. Yeah. So you you know you kill five zombies each and you just drape their bodies over you and. Uh, you know, you just cover the whole damn truck in zombies and see what happens. But it's no, yeah, just hang them off the truck. You could just drive right through. I just yeah. don't think it's a guarantee, though. That's the problem. Like, yeah, we've seen it work, but it could start raining and you get washed off. And then suddenly the zombies are like, hey, wait a minute. I just think there's, sure, it's a nice idea, but it's a nice idea when you just need to get through you know, not the biggest herd in the world. You just need to get right. through some zombies. And sure, maybe they could do it more often for protection, but that's kind of what Michonne was doing, right? She wasn't covering yep. herself in zombies, but she was traveling with them. Zomboflage. Zomboflage. I like that. Stench coat, <laughs> zomboflage, and the uh, gormaflage was the other one. Gormaflage. That's, that's even better. Yeah. So uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say, yeah, they could... Uh, we all, we in the show so far have seen the few instances in which doing that kind of thing has worked. We don't get to see all the instances, the hundreds of thousands of times people have tried that and it didn't work at all. Yeah, I guess not. So, because that didn't make it to the comic book or to TV. 
I don't know if we've ever seen that in the comic book. I We may have. There's a lot of issues, and I don't remember everything very well right now. But I know we've seen it in the video game, in the Telltale no, they did game. No, they did it right at, the, uh, right at the beginning. In the comic? Yeah, in this, around the same time uh, time frame as in the television show. Uh, it was in the comic. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've read that far back. Yeah. Um, but so there, it's been in the comics, it's been in the show, it's been in the video games. Um, we've seen it a few times in the show. And, and yeah, earlier on, remember, it started raining in the show, and then Glenn and Rick were uh, out of luck. So it's just not a foolproof 100% way to get through zombies. So that's why I think they don't do it all the time. But right. Yeah, I mean, hey, it would. It seems like it would be something you'd want to do more often than not if you just need to get through, you know, small groups of zombies anyways. Right. Um, but you're right, it's super gross. <laughs> yeah, that's why I wouldn't do it. It's pretty much what it comes down to. All right, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, writing in and communicating with us. Uh, if if I didn't read or if we didn't read your, your email or call... Uh, I apologize, but we just can't always get everything on there. But I do thank everyone for writing in. And I try to respond to uh, a number of people as well, especially if we don't put their uh, comments on the air. So what's going to happen now? I am going to Walker Stalker Con on the weekend. Just a reminder, we'll do that meetup. And if you want to say hi or you're going to be there, by all means, seek me out. I'm going to be co-moderating a bunch of panels while I'm there, um, including... Well, maybe I won't list them right now, but go to walkerstalkercon.com and look up the panels for the uh, New York, New Jersey show, and you'll see my name on there. So it'll be easy to figure out who I am this time because I'll be up on stage for, you know, half the time. Right. Um, so definitely come say hi and uh, and come to the meetup on Saturday at 6 if you want. Once I'm back in town next week, we are going to record next Wednesday, so nine days from right now. And that'll be our next actual podcast. We'll probably do some Walking Dead news. We'll talk about Walker Stalker Con. But if you have anything you want to say or if you are there and you want to share your experience, by all means, uh, send it in. Let us know. After that, it's going to be Christmas and the holidays and so on. So we will probably do um, we'll probably not do another podcast until the new year. So uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do then. But in the meantime, in the next week, if you want to get in contact, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Give us a call on the toll-free line at 1-844-483-9662. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash talkingdead or on Twitter at talkingdead. Um, and when you're doing all your holiday shopping, make sure you use our Amazon link. Go to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com if you're in the U.S., or TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon to choose from other Amazon shops around the world. All right. Um, until next time, everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. So how about that Star Wars trailer? <laughs> Yeah, okay, so let's talk about it. You want to go frame by frame, or you just want to give you your overall impression? My overall impression was, going into the Star Wars trailer, I had decided a long time ago that I was... In a galaxy far, far away? No, that I, I had decided a long time ago that I think I was kind of kind of done with Star Wars. I was a humongous fan as a child. I, as a kid, I knew everything. I read books. I had memorized everything about there was to know about Star Wars. And then the prequels came out, and... 
I tried to find some good in them, and there's little bits in each one that I don't mind, but on the whole, I thought they were terrible movies. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? Star Wars doesn't do it for me anymore. George Lucas, it's just not my thing anymore. I, I don't seem to agree with the direction he's taking it, so I was done with Star Wars. And then they it gets bought by Disney, and I'm like, eh, who knows? Who knows what will happen? They're, they're going to say they're going to make all these movies, but you never know what's going to happen. And so I never really got all that excited about that. And then a, what is it, 90-second teaser trailer for the next Star Wars movie comes out, directed by J.J. Abrams. And in 90 seconds, all those years of being done with Star Wars was totally erased. Just washed away by the flood of Abrams, knowing full well that George Lucas is not involved in this endeavor. It was all just washed away and erased by 90 seconds of what I thought was pure awesomeness. Everything in that trailer. I don't care about all the debate about the the weird lightsaber. It's not a lightsaber. That's it. I. It's not a lightsaber. It's like a flame saber. It was. Uh, it's like a torch. It's not a lightsaber. It is a lightsaber. What it's else? It's not is, a lightsaber. Of course it it's, is. It's got little flames coming off the edge. It's not light. It's fire. Okay. The main blade is is a lightsaber. No, it's not a lightsaber. That that's it. Okay. Well, you're wrong. It is a lightsaber. I'm, if you. you Call up J.J. Abrams right now and say, is that a lightsaber? He'll say yes. The controversy... I'm calling him. Do it. (laughs) Hello, Mr. Abrams. It's only six numbers. The, uh... (laughs) You don't know the last few. Um, The... The... The controversy over the lightsaber was that the the two little, like, hand guard blades that come out uh, out of the sides are not... Like, they come out of their own... I don't know, lightsaber bits. So if port, a, yeah, port, whatever. So if another lightsaber blade came down that way, yeah, they would hit the ports and and destroy the lightsaber. They wouldn't hit light. They wouldn't hit lightsaber, you know, which it should be. And so people were like, well, it needs to be designed differently so that there's there's a crux there of actual light, and a an a, enemy's lightsaber blade couldn't would it would get stuck there, right? And it would actually protect your hand. I don't care about any of that. I thought it looked cool, and everything in that trailer I thought looked cool. The X-Wings flying over the water blew me away. When the theme song kicks in from Black, and then it's the Millennium Falcon flying over a desert, it just made my heart warm with Star Wars love once again. Well, I'm glad. I I enjoyed it as well. I didn't, uh, you know, as it, if I got to be honest, as a kid, I was okay with Star Wars. I watched a lot of... I, I saw Empire Strike, Strikes Back first. Oh, that's too bad for you. Uh, well, no, I was fine with me. I didn't know what was going on. That's okay. And then when I went to see Return of the Jedi, I didn't remember uh, Empire Strikes Back. So this is this is confession time. Eh? But so you're, when, you're older than me. How come you didn't see it right? Because I didn't care. I just simply did not care. When I saw uh, Return of the Jedi and Leia... Takes Han Solo. This, we're going to spoil this, right? Uh, takes Han Solo out of carbonite, and he says, "Who are you?" And she takes off her helmet and says, uh, "Someone who loves you." I had no idea who she was. Oh, I'm that, like, who, that, who is that? That makes me so sad. That means you were missing out on everything. Well, not everything. You you were just missing out on all the stuff that made Star Wars awesome. I yeah, I was, and I admit I was a little blase about it. I it grew on me from as soon as. You know, Super Channel and First Choice came on the air in 1980, whatever, and they started playing Star Wars seven times a day. I watched Star Wars seven times a day. <laughs> right. 
right? I watched it like I I know all of Star Wars, all of the words. I know everything about it. Uh, I know, uh, you know, I like it now. I just watched Return of the Jedi last night. Okay, good for you. And enjoyed it. Good. It was a it, anyway. Uh, so what the hell is my point? I don't have that uh, that nostalgia that you have, mm-hmm. and I don't have that uh, watching the first three movies. They sucked ass, but it didn't you know, break me as far as Star Wars goes. Right. I just wrote them out of continuity and pretended they didn't exist. Okay, so they're they're done, they're gone. And so we have Star Wars. I've read the books. I've read a bunch of books. I've listened to Audible books. I'm listening to uh, uh, the Thrawn trilogy again now. Mm-hmm. After watching the, the trailer, I'm like, all things Star Wars, because I'm like, okay, let's listen to the Thrawn trilogy again, and let's watch Return of the Jedi again. And so I'm... You know, I'm loving it. I didn't, so I don't have the nostalgia. I don't have the the hatred for the first three movies, and uh, you know, I am excited about this. But I'm excited about this uh, this new Star Wars movie for practical reasons, and the practical reasons are J.J. Abrams minus George Lucas, and I'm excited about both those things in equal measure, and they're mm-hmm. both awesome. Mm-hmm. Those those are good things to be excited about, but. I had no, like, I didn't know going in what to expect. I mean, I've seen J.J. Abrams movies that I really liked and some that aren't, I don't think, as good. So you just... What, like Super 8? I thought Super 8 was okay. But yeah, it didn't it didn't blow me away. Right. Um, I actually liked, I think, the first Star Trek movie more than, than Super 8. Well, yeah. Right? Um, well, even though it had so much lens flare that it was sickening. <laughs> I don't know. It. I didn't notice that until someone pointed it out to me. So oh it wasn't. It wasn't a problem for me. No, but it's Star Trek. Star Trek. You need lens flare. Go back and watch like some of the old Star Trek movies. There's lens flare all over the friggin' place. So it's it's it works. Mm-hmm. Right. If you like, it's it's like if you're gonna have a bunch of characters strutting from point A to point B over cool music, it better be friggin' uh, what's his name doing it from uh, Pulp Fiction. Samuel L. Jackson. No, the director of Pulp Fiction. He wrote it. Um, 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 oh, my God. T- Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. He's the only one who can get away with that shit. Right. Okay? So lens flare, if you're going to do that much lens, lens flare, it better be a Star Trek movie. So it works. Okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, anyways, yeah. I, I was finished with Star Wars. This trailer somehow erased, like, I don't know, when did the first prequel come out? I don't know, 19 whatever. It's written out of continuity. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I know, but uh, <laughs> Phantom Menace. Uh, how, can it not, how, can, how can it not be in IMDb? Phantom Menace. Why? Why midichlorians? Why? I know, I know. It was 1999. Okay, Pretty episode bad. one of Phantom Menace, 1999. It's the same, same year as... Uh, 15 years ago. 15 years ago. So... 90 seconds erased 15 years of, of uh, not hatred, but disappointment. disappointment with Star Wars. Erased it. I thought the X-Wings over the water looked amazing. And like I said already, the Millennium Falcon was just, just incredible. And, and the, there was an attention to detail, like the Millennium Falcon was updated a little bit because it's 30 years later. The radar thing on the top of it was square instead of round because, of course, that got knocked off in the second on the attack on the second Death Star, right? Well, and, yeah, that's because they uh, they let Lando Calrissian fly the damn thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm excited to see what the you know the original actors' roles are going to be in this this film because they weren't in the in the teaser at all. I have two questions for you. Hold on. 
hold, hold him for a second. And I also right. think um, John Boyega, the guy who is in this film, he was in a British movie called Attack the Block, which I don't know if you've seen, but you should watch it. It's really good. I yep. think he's going to be great, um, even though there was one scene in this with him. Adam Driver, the guy from Girls, uh, as I believe as a villain, uh, you know, a Sith Lord or something like that. I think he's going to be great. If there was ever a dude that was born to play a Sith, I, it's got to be Adam Driver. <laughs> you know, so just everything about it was good. And, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm super excited. I can't wait for next Christmas to see this movie. I have two questions for you. Question and number I've one. Forgotten the second one. The first one is uh, I've forgotten the first one now. <laughs> you told uh, it, okay. First question is: Is there any point in this trailer at all that takes place in space? There is not. They only show land-based stuff in this. Right. There's no okay. outer space shots. But so that's interesting. It is very interesting, but they're just holding it back. This is a teaser. They're saving it. I'm sure there are going to be phenomenal, monumental, incredible space shots and probably battles in this movie, but they're holding it back. They can't deliver all the goods all at once. We're going to get IMAX? Are we going to get IMAX on this thing? I don't know. We're getting 3D, but I don't know about IMAX. Well, of course we're getting 3D. I mean, if they make a movie that's based on any kind of technology... Then that isn't in 3D. That they, the, the 3D police will slap them. I'm not watching this movie in 3D. I choose not to do that. But IMAX maybe. Oh, IMAX maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but try and find an IMAX non-3D showing. Well, if things go as well as I hope they do, I'm not going to mind watching this movie more than once. But but you know what? I I'm going to try over the next 12 months to keep my expectations in check a little bit because I don't want to go in and be disappointed. And you don't want to go in uh, with the experience you had with The Dark Knight either. That's right. Right? So you got to take a volume before you go see the movie. I basically. do. I was so excited I couldn't pay attention to the movie. And I, <laughs> and I missed the whole thing and I had to well, watch it Well, the opening again. shot was just so overwhelming because we saw it in IMAX, right? Yeah. The two of us, actually, you, me, and uh, Julia, I think. Uh, no, it was no, Jenny. No, it was Jenny. <laughs> okay, whatever. My wife girl I was in a band with who cares <laughs> uh, so we went to see this thing and the first the opening shot was so overwhelming that uh, I, I was I was flabbergasted for the first five minutes the, there was an audible intake of breath in the theater when that happened yeah. everyone was overwhelmed and they all just went <gasps> and then they <laughs> continued watching the film so yeah it was pretty exciting it was exciting um, did I ask my second question I'm not even sure you asked your first question. <laughs> Yeah, it was 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 there any space shots? Oh in, right, in right, the trailer. right, right. I don't know what the second question is. Nor do I. But listen to the actors in Star oh, Wars. Oh right. The second question is: You're you telling me that this takes place thirty years after Return of the Jedi? Correct. And none of the books are canon to the television. I show, read or that the, or, or heard that somewhere that they they are choosing to disregard the entire expanded universe and stay canon within the movies, within the films, but not worry about anything else because a whole bunch of stuff happens with Luke and Leia's children in the expanded universe and books and video games Hans and, and Leia's children. Uh, sorry, Hans and Leia's children. Luke and Leia, I don't know if you've heard this, but they're brother and sister. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no. Um, we can spoil shit from the 80s, okay? Sure. Uh, yes, it's just can. as a blanket rule, I'm spoiling stuff that happened in the 80s. If you don't know what happened in the 80s, go back and experience it. Yeah, go back and do the <laughs> 80s over again, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yes. Anyways, they there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened with Han and Leia's children. I, as far as I understand, they're ignoring all that, and they're going to make a Star Wars movie universe that is canon 
with itself. Okay. So kind of sucks. The expanded universe is pretty cool. It is cool, but it's its own thing. I mean, it, they can still do that universe, but this is this is going to be the the definitive movie universe. So we've got Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, of course, John Boyega, who I mentioned, Andy Serkis is in this movie. The voice mm. over during the trailer is Andy Serkis's voice. I was I've been told, right? So that's cool. Harrison Ford, Gwendolyn Christie, who you may remember from such shows as um, Game of Thrones. She, well, there's lots of people in Game of Thrones. Which one's Gwendolyn um, the, Christie? The big blonde warrior chick. What's her name again? Oh, her. The yeah. one that uh, hangs out with, uh, what's his name? Yes. It's not in the 80s, so I can't really spoil anything. Um, Brienne. Brienne of Tarth in Game of right. Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her. Um, she's she's in this. Oscar Isaac, who, I don't know. Uh, Adam Driver. Peter Mayhew, of course, as Chewbacca. Um, Daisy Ridley. She's in the trailer, but I don't know her as an actress. She's the, the girl who rides off on that sort of weird vertical landspeeder thing over the yeah. desert. Um, Kenny Baker is back. Warwick Davis is back. Max von Sydow. Come on. This movie's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it's going to be cool. I wonder if J.J. Abrams is going to do the J.J. Abrams thing and have uh, a beloved character killed. I'm sure someone's going to die in this. Yeah. But, hey. What do you think it's going to be? Better not be Chewbacca. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, 3PO? You could live without him. <laughs> I don't know. They can always put him back together. Even if he's vaporized, I'm sure they can figure out a they way can to rebuild piece him back together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got uh, he got blasted in uh, uh, which which movie was that? That was uh, it was Empire. It was Empire. Yeah, he got blasted apart in Empire. Yes, he did. But his core components were not destroyed, so they could put them back together. Right. Um, but you know, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher are all going to be pretty old in this movie, so I wouldn't be entirely surprised if one of them died in this film. Come to think of it. Carrie Fisher wouldn't allow herself to die in a film. If this was done by Harrison Harrison Ford, if this was done by George Lucas, Luke guaranteed would be killed off in this movie and equally guaranteed would come back before the end of the film as a ghost. Well, that's got to happen anyway because he's a Jedi. He's got to be a Jedi master by, you know, 30 years later. If he's not a Jedi master, he's a bigger idiot than Yoda thought he was. Well, Yoda thought he was a pretty big idiot. I'm pretty sure he was a, he was considered a Jedi master by the end of Jedi. Oh, no. He was considered a Jedi. He barely like, passed his Jedi-ness. Like his father before him? I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Yes, he's a Jedi. I don't. Okay. He's nowhere near a Jedi master. Okay, maybe not a master. You're right. Um, so by now he is, though, 30 years later. He's a master. I would hope so. If he's not a Jedi master, he's a huge idiot and a complete and utter failure. But not just masters come back as ghosts in the George Lucas world because Anakin, he came back as a ghost. He was a Jedi master. Oh, okay. He was right. a dark Jedi master. The only question I have is Obi-Wan. You know, is he a Jedi master? I always figured he was, yeah. Well, that's because it was Alec Guinness. That's right? true. And Alec Guinness, you just assume he's a master in whatever role he plays. Yeah. I think um, uh, Ewan McGregor was pretty good casting, though. He's always good casting. One, I like Ewan McGregor. That's one of the bright bright sides of those prequels, Ewan McGregor. No, there's Ewan McGregor and uh, what's her name? Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Ewan McGregor, good actor. Natalie Portman, good actress. In a scene, talking to each other, scene is complete crap. What the hell happened there? <laughs> it's it just goes to show that you can't you can take the best actors in the world, but you can't put them in garbage movies and expect them to be good. Right. 
So, yeah, Bright Spot, good casting. That's about it. Because they didn't do very good things with the role because they were given complete garbage direction, writing, blah, blah, blah. Yes. All right. Well, that's probably enough about Star Wars. I'm super excited, as you can tell. You are moderately excited. And I'm excited. That's not a lightsaber. That's all I got to say. It It is a flame saber. I'm going to go with f- some kind of flame saber. There's no such thing as a flame saber. It is How do you built- know? There's no such thing as a lightsaber. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying Spider-Man doesn't exist in New York City. You can have a vomit saber for all I care. It's just, you know, it's, it's a... <laughs> you, can yeah, have gross. A, you can have a vomit fire hose. I don't know if you can have a saber. <laughs> Why not? It's a static vomit stream. <laughs> don't cross the static vomit streams. Yeah, it's a proton accelerated vomit. Um, no, come on. It's a lightsaber. It looks a little different. It's 30 years later. Lightsaber technology has evolved. It's changed a little bit. I know the little things looked more like flame, but the main shaft of the lightsaber looked like a oh. lightsaber. I'm going to watch that trailer 16 times right now. I've already watched it at least that many times. Anyways, we're going to go. Thank you for listening, everyone. Hopefully this last whatever the hell it was, three hours of Star Wars talk has not uh, driven you crazy. And if you did, hopefully you turned us off like before we you're started. You're going to release this as a separate feed or just uh, no, add on to No, it's going to stick on the end of this podcast, I all think. All right, rant and all. All right, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>